You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... People like games. That's what she said! Like games. I'm Solo. And I'm Lilo. And you are, as per usual, tuned into the best damn podcast in the gaming industry. Trademark, trademark, trademark. Pew pew, let's go. Um, oh, yeah, so excited. Before we're jumping into anything, quick reminder we did push back our event with Microsoft one week, so it's no longer March. 10th or no longer was March 10th is going to be this Sunday March 17th so if you are in Huntington yes yes please sign up for the Sunday Funday Rocket League tournament 32 people it'll be a 2v2 so it'll be 16 teams you can sign up with the team member or you'll be randomly assigned a team member if you don't sign up with one it yep. should be fun it will be fun event, baby and we're gonna have food, etc. Come through. There'll be candy. There'll be drinks, and uh, tickets are available TVs, on Eventbrite. There'll be publicity, and there'll, there'll be, be pressure. Publicity, so and some <laughs> prizes, baby. And prizes, you got some prizes too, and uh, much more. So again, that's two p.m. at Walt Whitman Shops Microsoft Store in Huntington, New York. But now on to the formal set of plugs that we tend to have on a weekly basis, beginning with the Twitter, at people like games is a handle. You can find Lilo over at, at Lilo PLG. You can find Bezos over at Bezos PLG. And you can find me at non-existent. <laughs> TBD, you can find me at TBD. And so, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get around to it. Is a basic. You premise, should make a so. T B D Twitter account. T E E B E E D E E T B D. Exactly. T E B D E E P O G. That's where we are. T E B D B D. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, and this show that you're listening to now can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Google Play or Google Podcast. I don't even know what they're doing over there. Stitcher, SoundCloud, basically everywhere. But title, which we'll get to eventually, hopefully, probably. And check out the subreddit, r backslash people like games. People and, like games. Uh, I guess uh, that 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 about uh, wraps up what I have to say about plugs. And now. I'll kick it over to Lilo for a little bit of the talk, baby. Table contents. What are you expecting this episode? Let me give you a rundown. You got the quick scope coming in. We're giving you the highlights of this past week, the week of the 13th. And um, we'll be talking about some big news that just dropped as well as some other things that we know you need to know and we want you to know. Follow that up with a return of the rumor mill. We got some juicy, juicy rumors coming out there. A lot of speculation in the air right now, especially as we're approaching summer, which is a big time for all of the esports and just in general entertainment, gaming entertainment of America, associations, everything. I'm just saying names, but like really the gaming community goes crazy. Follow that shit up with a solo something or another. He is going to go and do a deep dive about something because it's something or another, I guess. I don't actually know what it is, so this is gonna be interesting. Um, That is gonna flow into, and this is interesting, it's not Lilo's Game Spotlight this week, which you might be used to. It's actually going to be a PLG Game Spotlight, and it's about us and our speculations about Harry Potter, Harry Potter, oh my God, Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Pause it. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. There we go. <laughs> Wizards Unite. Uh, we've talked about this in the past. We knew it was coming out this year, but more details just dropped. So I want to give you the rundown on that. And Sol and I are going to give you our speculations on that. So that is going to take up our spotlight and final lap segment that we normally have because it's two in one, really. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to kick it back over to uh, Mr. Solo here. Solo, let's get the show on the road. What you got? It's quick scope time. And let's go. 
you know the sound cue. And we're going to start off with a game I was just playing earlier today. That's Pokemon Go. And that's made by a company that will find itself back in our conversation later in the show. But Pokemon Go and... uh, well, basically, the whole point of me covering this is because it's made a ridiculous amount of money. And specifically to date, the Pokemon Go game. Well, I'll put it like this. All of the mobile games that Pokemon has released have combined made $2.5 billion. And so that's Pokemon Go, Pokemon Duel, Pokemon Quest, Pokemon Magikarp Jump, and Pokemon TCG Online. <laughs> Now we're going to pause. That's a lot of coin, baby. And we're going to pause, and you're going to realize that Pokemon Go made $2.45 billion of the total. Of that? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) The other one just made, like, 50K? What the uh, fuck? It's a a little bit of 98% of all of the revenue they've made, but... That's a ridiculous amount. The game's been downloaded almost 550 million times. We almost have 8 billion people on this planet. That's like, that's insane. It's just massive. 116th of the world's population. And it's just hilarious how much it overshadows all of the other games and shows that I think the only real comparative experience they'd be able to offer is that if they made an iOS version of red version and blue version available for like $10, they'd probably make a couple of million dollars. Oh, it's easy. That would be easy money for them. Fucking easy peasy. Expect that to be within their purview of thinking, hopefully, but you never know. But, you know, all of that uh, goes to show that, you know, it reminds me that don't forget we have an event with Microsoft this Sunday. Uh-oh. In, in, out of nowhere, we're getting it in. We're getting it in. No, but go. really. I like it. Sunday, yeah, speaking of Microsoft. 2 p.m. Yeah. Eventbrite. Get the tickets. This is a good segue. That's a very solid segue. Microsoft bringing, uh, bringing some big news to the world. As you know, Microsoft inside Xbox. Or rather, inside Microsoft, inside Xbox. What is it inside called? Inside Xbox, I think. Inside Xbox. Either way, Microsoft is making some moves. They dropped some more news um, about some of our favorite, favorite games on this show. And that is Inside Xbox revealed that the Master Chief Collection is getting a new addition to the crew. And that is Halo Reach, baby. Halo Reach is joining the club. I actually am an owner of the Master Collection on Xbox One. And uh, I'm super excited to know that my game is going to include another game so instead of four it's going to be five of them um this is also bringing news that master chief collection is going to be ported over to the fucking pc solo is all about ports he's like why isn't nintendo doing anything well guess what microsoft is doing this shit right they're bringing it over to the pc this is news that should not surprise you because we've been talking about how microsoft's trying to go cloud trying to expand their horizons get all of their games on multiple devices the pc makes natural sense they're using their xbox app and well realistically what they're actually doing is they gave the rights to steam steam is going to be selling uh the master chief collection get ready to get headshotted and no scoped from people with mouses and keyboard but if you are a fan a fan of the game i think you're going to go og and be using that controller you know you know what i'm saying that's what i'm going to do super excited for this i know i'm I'm debating getting it only if I'm a little worried because the skill gap is going to increase if people be rocking that shit on mouse and keyboard. Yeah. I myself will be using controller because I'm a purist, but and uh, uh, that is neither here nor there. I eventually plan to never play on the PC if I'm going to be frankly honest because Halo <laughs> to me is an Xbox game. Graphics would be sick though. They'd be sick though. Real sick. Speaking of controllers, mm. a. Mm concept art or maybe the actual controller image of the Google gaming console has uh, been leaked prior to the GDC 2019 patents 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 excuse me Uh, apparently it's not the prettiest controller in the world it's a little bit sharper edge than you'd imagine Uh, we're going to put up the photo on the Twitter at people like games but it'd be difficult to describe it other than sort of new agey 
and it's an interesting concept, I suppose, because you can only be so original in the controller market to a degree. True. People know what they uh, like now. They yeah, all people. It's not even they know yes. what they like. They they've just become accustomed over a 20-year span almost to the Xbox and the PlayStation controller where the Xbox controller went from the old Duke and then sort of refined itself down and the PlayStation controller is just literally the same shit. And so... Same shit, more comfortable though. Seriously. I think it's more comfortable than the Xbox one. I want to see what the hand feel of this controller is before I want to judge it. So... Google, mm-hmm. if you have, judging cover if you're listening, book, send us send us a controller and the console so we can like take a look at it and give you an unbiased opinion. So I don't have to give you a negative opinion for not sending us one. <laughs> <laughs> Solo give you unbiased opinion. I'm just telling you that picture makes me very nervous. That shit looks like it's gonna cut my fucking hand with like a a paper cut before I actually get comfortable with that. I oh, saw no. they might be working with Sega. I was like, oh my god, Sega, Lord. They're, Sega's known for very, very successful consoles, but, you know, of course, someone new has to do something new, and if it's not good looking for this, maybe someone else is able to, if not improve, evolve the design. Do something different. Do something different? Well, if you're talking about doing something different, you can tell that to these guys who's joining the fray. This relates to our next story, because, as you know, we have we have console leaders in this industry right now, right? You got Xbox, you got PlayStation, and you've got Nintendo. Those three just dominate the market, and there's always these other individuals trying to foray and trying to get back in the game and whatever. Yeah. We're looking ahead to 2020, and that's probably when all these consoles are going to be released, the new new generations, PS5s, Xbox 2s, Scarlets, whatever you want to call them. But... These guys are trying to jump into the industry late, late in the game. What am I talking about? New console joining the market. It is called the Polymega. All right. The Polymega. What is it? Why do you care? It's a modular console, which is going to play a shit ton of classical games. Now, Sol and I have given you many, many rants about how we don't understand. Well, nostalgia pays. People will buy consoles. But then, you know, PlayStation Classic just came out and just got tanked shit reviews got destroyed and now people are still trying to join these market like i don't really know what's going on polymega is a new one to join this club what's interesting about this is that it's modular meaning you can take it apart and add different contraptions for different support systems uh sorry different support uh, it can support original nes snes mega drive and pc engine different cars essentially so the modular nature of the console means you can add or remove features and gameplay or really uh, content to the console itself. The base unit boasts a CD drive, which is gonna play PlayStation 1, Neo Geo CDs, Mega CDs, Sega Saturn, and PC engines. It's region free so that you can play any games from anywhere in any location. Um, Region free is a term that you might not have heard of, but if games come out in uh, Japan and only wanna be sold in Japan, it means they're IP locked. They know when a console is registered to a certain country and they will keep you, prevent you from playing the game anywhere else in the world. This is not that case, all right? Um, there's a pretty sweet interface if you look at the uh, information we have on Polymega Online, but if you want to know what the price is, this console that's playing classic games is entering the motherfucking market at $249.99. I'd say that's fucking high. Every module too that you want to add to it, modules will play different uh, consoles, games, and stuff like that. Is fifty nine ninety nine. So you're paying two fifty, almost a full Switch price for classic games, and then you have to pay sixty bucks or a full game retail price to get the ability to play other games. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if that means you have to buy the games on top of that, or if the games come in. There's no details about that fact. But like, god damn. That's expensive. Holy shit. I will so? say that's stupid. Uh, no one's going to pay 250 for that, especially if Dude, each and so every console expensive. is making games available, especially classic games for borderline free from the Nintendo right? virtual like console Nintendo to, the to Sony. You can just play it. You can just you do it everywhere. So uh, congratulations from a bad name to that. Um I just think that, <laughs> I guess the best idea, the best thing we can say. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know. You so, get 
Nothing. You literally get. Good day, sir. Sorry, guys. Basically, and so now we're going to follow up with this company eventually to see what happens or whether it joins the Soldier Boy console graveyard. And secondly, yep, 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 yep. if I happen to disappear at some point in the show momentarily, it's because I went to go get some candy because <laughs> I want to say. Anyway, on to our next story. And that is going to be prefaced with, that's right. And that means you already know who it is. Back, you know who that's about. It is Tencent in the building as per usual. This time for being on top of App Annie's top 10 mobile publishers of 2018. Basically, they made the most money in mobile gaming in the past year. Makes no sense. When I say Uh, makes no sense, makes complete sense is what I meant to say. Number two is NetEase, also based in China. So it's no surprise to see. The top two companies being China. Number three, paired together anyway. Activision Blizzard. Number four, Bandai Namco. Then go to Netmarble, and then it goes just downwards. And so, you know, Supercell's on there. That's interesting. Those come Supercell at seven, and so. Oh, okay, okay, all right. You know, Sony is a surprise at six. To be frankly honest, five is Netmarble, which I'm not very familiar with, so I'm not going to speak too much on, but. No surprise to see, even in a year that Tencent was facing like publishing issues with Chinese regulation, that they were still able to come out and make Making that much revenue. So much money. It's Doesn't partially matter. because they own such large percentages of every single publisher in already. Like they own pieces of Epic, they own pieces of of uh, whatever was it, Bluehole Gaming, which makes PUBG. Yeah, they PUBG. own Supercell. Yeah. They own they own pieces of everything, and so. To that degree, everything else is they make well, money, so and then in addition to that, then they have to basically pay themselves to get the licensing for the game that they are releasing in China. I love it. I love it. It's a great system. So shout out to Tencent. If anyone from Tencent ever wants to come on the show and not do an interview, but just bring us to China and let us hang out because I really want to go to China sometime. But anyway. <laughs> That is uh, pretty much all I have on Tencent making that money. Uh, Activision, Activision Blizzard's up there. I'm sure they're gonna be jumping up a spot with the Diablo mobile game coming out. I'm sure. And so, yeah, except yeah. for everyone in China is gonna be buying that game and be selling that shit. Yeah. Oh my god! I'm sure it's gonna this end gonna up be farm, becoming farm, competitive. Farm. Every, they're trying to turn everything it, into esports. It's gonna be awesome, but at the same time. I still I still laugh at the way they handle that PR fucking nightmare. Jesus Christ. But for facts. Yeah. I'm excited for these esports and I'm excited for the future of esports in general. This kind of solo lofted a softball to me per se and I'm just going to crush it out of the park right now cuz uh this relates to our next story in that if you're worried about esports or wondering how the world is reacting to esports, as we know a lot of esports is based rather got its foundation and really stemmed from this area that's korea right well korea has affected those same countries around them geolocated in an area that's in asia that affects all these other countries around them that love gaming china for one and japan of course another big name in the industry you obviously know them well there is a company in japan in japan konami that is dedicating a whole fucking building to esports they're actually literally creating a whole new building in Tokyo, one of the most expensive cities in the world that's going to be 12 stories high and include an underground floor as an esports arena. It's going to have special sh- shops and hardwares and accessories and all, all these other things that you expect in an esports, um, esports shop, esports dedicated building. And really, I think this one quote we got from the story sort of paints the picture for the future, if you really want to know. It's... Coming from Konami President Kimihiko Higashio, yeah, Higashio, there you go, Kimihiko Higashio, the people who participate in esports will in the future stand side by side with those participating in real life sports like soccer, or even surpass them. This motherfucker is of the mindset that people are going to dominate esports in the future and it's going to be more popular than regular sports. 
it's a bold statement, I'll be honest. Bold statement, but I do think that he has a point. I do think that esports just in general are more accessible. Um, more accessible, okay, let me paint that with a caveat, right? More accessible in the first world. People have access to phones, to you know, modern conveniences like shelter, water, food, electricity, internet, all that. The world at large, yeah, maybe not so much. It's probably easier to run outside and play a sport and do that stuff. But first world problems, I do think that sports in general for those countries that have those um, utilities per se available to them, it's easier for kids to get into gaming than it is for them to get into sports. And uh, hey, come yeah, on, that's, building, that's building, it building. The, I, I agree with that. Uh, you could also say that's why soccer or football ended up being such a global sport because of the requirements exactly of the game and that's why basketball is growing at a a similar pace because it has a similar set of basic requirements that poor countries can you know be able to play or poor people can play uh they're not playing lacrosse that's for sure they're definitely not playing lacrosse anywho now actually combining our last two stories of uh mobile dough and esports the esl and at&t have partnered for a new mobile esports league and it is not surprising because it's something we sort of speculated on here in the show whether in the west mobile gaming is going to be big as it is in the east the answer is no it's it's gonna be fucking big um it'll be big but it won't be as big because in the east that's the core that's where it's set up it's like they're like the nba dream team of gaming would be the basic premise and so uh the entrance of at&t is not very surprising i expect verizon i'm sure will be getting into a game as well soon but uh if you're not familiar esl they're i guess competition organizer the uh league is going to be called the esl mobile open and the first season's on march 18th and we'll focus on three titles PUBG Mobile which is way bigger than I really thought it was going to be or way bigger than I really think it is which one time we had meant to cover a story I don't think we ended up getting around to it potentially which was I got the, my chicken dinner that was the story bro <laughs> I got my chicken dinner and I didn't fucking care I was like ooh literally the first game I ever played got a chicken dinner it was game over yeah, I was really excited about it that. It was about but, in, in India, where mobile phones happen to be the primary means of connecting to the internet, mo- the PUBG Mobile League was taking off. And so that was one game. The second game is Clash of Clans. And the third's a little bit of a nice. surprise. The racing game Asphalt 9 does open up the sort of scene to a wider context now. I don't... I wouldn't have expected a mobile esports game to be considered, but who's to say there's not a market? I don't know. Anyway, uh, check check it out. I'm sure it'll be streaming on Twitch, and you can find information over on the ESL website. But as I said, mobile gaming, trying to make it a little bigger. Interesting they'll bring in Clash of Clans because we had covered it even a couple of weeks ago, I believe, which was that the Clash of Clans had been sort of decreasing the amount of teams they had in their league and sort of combining areas. I don't think that was Clash of Clans. I think it was the other Supercell game. Um, Give me me a second here. They had the Clash of Clans Dude, I don't think it was Clash of Clans. I'm pretty sure it was Clash Royale. It was Clash Royale. Oh, Clash Royale. Clash of Clans, yeah, it's bigger. Clash Royale. (sighs) That's some original fucking naming conventions. Jesus Lord. And then... There's, hey, there's more World words Stars. than Clash available in World the dictionary. Stars is actually pretty dope, but yeah. But I'm sure that's, that's funny. done because it's like a shortcut to getting people's attention. Because there's a reason someone <laughs> has to do it. I don't know. There's a reason to, everyone keeps calling the shit Clash. And nothing original. But what can you do? What can you do? Anyway, uh, that's all I do? got for ESL and the Mobile Esports League. Check it out if you're interested. <laughs> Check it out if you're interested. I am going to switch gears and uh, bring you back into the development world. This is sort of a teaser for what we want to do in the future. More on that a little bit later. But 
This story is interesting. Uh, it's actually it follows a Twitter thread that was going on and that uh, someone put on. <clears throat> excuse me, discussing game developers and sort of if there's any intrinsic rules that developers have for designing a game and any rules that they expect the gaming community to adhere to at large. So don't get me wrong. It's like, what are the rules in the real world that govern us? Those are laws, except there's no laws to make a game and creativity should not be pigeonholed. However, I think there are general rules of thumb and other things that the community abides by and that's what we see represented in our game. In fact, it's I think it's things that are so innocuous that you don't pay attention to, but you expect them to be there. So for instance, in a battle royale, you expect a communication system or a, a ping system of that nature. You expect sort of a party chat. You expect all these things and those are unspoken rules of gaming. And so this story sort of covers what developers' um, personal rules are for making a game. And this is uh, interesting. So in a question, excuse me, the question posed by Richard Rouse III, who's the developer behind the upcoming game, The Church in the Darkness, he wanted to ask, ask the question, what's a developer's personal rule of thumb when it comes to making games? So in response to that, Stuart Jeff said, the player's feeling that something is wrong is always correct, but their solution to fix the problem rarely is. I think that's an interesting point. I think gamers in general know when something just feels awkward and clunky and weird but by trying to fix it they normally give you wrong direction the same thing with if you're playing a multiplayer shooter and for instance i'm just going to pick on overwatch here like you realize that the new meta is overpowering well there's gonna be a lot of people who have a lot of opinions about how to change the meta be like oh reduce mercy's healing ability or reduce this whatever well the game developers will focus on that. However, you are correct in noticing that there is a disarray, that there is an unbalance of power, that kind of imbalance of power per se. Um, going off that same question, Alejo Silhos of Tequila Works said that no matter how detailed designs are, either mechanic or level, they will almost never work in practice. Iteration is key. This is another good point. I think we take a PLG and PLG, um, you know, We've been working with the fact that everything in life, every project you ever work on should be iterative. You want to make something better and you're never going to get it right the first time. So you just continue working at it, continue working at it. And apparently that's the same that goes for game developers. Anything that they say transfers or anything you try to transfer from paper to the game does not always work out seamlessly. And it's just the nature of the business and you have to continue on and continue doing some work. Um, one more that we got going on. So this is the design director at Crystal Dynamics, Will Kerslake, Kerslaki, Kerslake. He said he has a few personal rules ranging from tuning variables to setting up AI. First one is when designing AI, start with on-screen outcomes of decisions. No, de no reason to make the internal processing more complicated than the possible outcomes, as players won't notice. I think what he's trying to say is if there is an AI or an interaction that will affect how the player plays the game, then you should think about the outcomes of those actions. However, if you're trying to take other actions that are superfluous and like uh, an AI bumps into another AI and there's supposed to be something else going on, a, a player won't notice that level of detail per se. I, that, that's at least my take on it. He follows up on that by saying, keep notes of why you cut things. Some number of months in the future, whatever you cut will sound like a good idea. Make sure the reason you cut it in the first place is still valid. I think that's a fucking great point. I think anyone who's working on a project long-term needs to focus on that as well. Take notes about what you're doing, date your notes and understand exactly why you do it because that has definitely on. happened Hold to on. us I'm, This is This is where I'm gonna cut in because if we're keeping it a buck, a I went point. and got candy in the beginning of, of, of Lilo's talking, so I'm not going to comment on anything from beforehand. But as to this point, uh, <clears throat> I agree because it's sometimes what you end up cutting out in the design, so say for even some of our posters, what you end up cutting out when you're doing a design, when you're going back to something, ends up being a critical portion that you end up using later on. And so it may not have its use then, it may be useless, but you never know. So it's no point in just tossing it aside and being like, this is thoroughly useless because 
you just never know when the time or what piece of the puzzle uh, that fits or when it'll be useful. So as Lilo was saying, keep things in, in a recorded manner so that you can always go back mm-hmm. and you can see not only your own evolution, but, you know, some things that you're missing, et cetera, not focusing on. Yeah, just the reasons why. It's funny. You took it in a separate direction from what Will was saying, but at the same time, I understand both points. Oh, that's fine. It's just my version. I don't know about Will. Who's Will? Will Come on, Will. Yo, hit us up, Will. We like your point. Let's talk more about it. And what have you had to cut? And then what have you brought back to sell this point? Either way, I think that's a, that's, a, that's actually a funny point. So a little insight, a little peek behind the curtain as to what developers think about these, these honestly, these personal rules, I don't think they just apply to gaming. I think they apply to any job in general and you should take these to heart. They're just lessons learned from working hard on a project. Seriously, I think that's, that's what it comes down to. Lessons learned. Moving forward, makes sense. You know that's right. And <laughs> <laughs> nice. Just like, wondering what the fuck you're doing over there. It's like, huh? Uh, <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> and now on to our last batch of articles here for Quick Scope. Face it. it, the competition organizer for Counter Strike, or specifically the esports championship series. Uh, Counter-Strike League. That's a mouthful. Oh, wait. Pause. Uh-oh. That's what she said. Hey, shout out to episode 69. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is... Uh, I'm just excited about sound cues. But um, the League is no longer going to be exclusive to YouTube after four years. And... It's see, upcoming season seven, which will be beginning or begin on March 11th, is going to be broadcast on Twitch as well. It makes sense uh, that they would do that. Uh, YouTube doesn't really have the market that Twitch does, nor does uh, Facebook, which the reason I mentioned that is the ESL, also a competition and organizing league, ended up taking away its exclusive deal with Facebook from 2018 and going back to Twitch as well. There's something about oh, the geez. way I didn't know that. and convenience of the viewing functions of Twitch that make it incomparable. I think the chat still is broken, and I think there's still space in the market for content viewing, but to a certain degree... Twitch has sort of become synonymous with watching gaming and to a degree yeah, for sure. that's like I agree with competing that. with Google in search. Not that Twitch is that amazing, but that when something becomes sort of a mainstay already in the industry like that, it's going to be very difficult to be able to compete with it or to change it. So it makes sense. I'm sure they had a better money deal uh, and we're like, all right, we got to get out of this. We need to get our viewers back and went back to Twitch. And so what can you do? Dude, getting viewers back. Speaking of getting viewers back, you got fucking Overwatch League making moves, man. Overwatch League. Are you, you good? We good? Okay. Sorry. Solo and I are doing some hand communicado. And Leo, as per hey. usual, is the spot terrorist unable to keep it casual. <laughs> hey, hey, not spot terrorist. There's clearly an awkward pause. Awkward you pauses are literally the definition of lack of finesse. Go, go ahead, go ahead. Continue. Lack of finesse Continue. on my part. Since so the guy who's like, "What are you? What are you Continue saying?" Continue on finesse. Oh, I literally back. exited and came back without mm-hmm. noise. <laughs> I already told you. I already showed it to you, and then you were like, "Oh, what? What? What is it? What is it?" All right. Anyway, viewership coming back. Overwatch League. These guys in their season two have maintained a higher level of concurrent viewers than they did at any point in the season last year. Currently, they've averaged 131,000 concurrent viewers in week four of their five week um, first, what is it called? First stage. You are an awesome man. You are. 
there's 3.7 million hours washed across the weekend. The statistics are up from an average of 99.5K for live coverage of the same channels last season, uh, according, or rather recording a total of 2.44 million hours washed. So if you don't understand these numbers, this season is better for them than last season. What are the reasons? Well, one of the reasons is they included a whole bunch more teams, right? They added a shit ton of teams this year, which meant just more viewers in general. And that makes sense because like any good sports league, there's going to be regions of people who only watch the games or matches or whatever you want to call them if their team is playing. And so you have a shit ton more teams in China, shit ton more team, well, not shit ton, but a couple more teams in North America and then a couple more teams from Europe. And these locations have more of an investment to watch the fucking sport. So that could be one contributor. The other thing is just in general, I think the gameplay is changing, um, including the ability to follow your individual player that you want to. And like the change in spectators, spectator modes per se has helped, you know, probably people focus on watching the game that kind of stuff. Episode two, we called it. Right? It's just, it's easy peasy. It makes sense. Um, There's various statistics. If you just go on uh, Esports Observer about what matches were most exciting and where people were watching. But at the same time, I think about halfway or three quarters of the way through this stage, it's fun to see that Overwatch is actually growing and not receding. And we want to see where it goes in the future. That's pretty much it. And now... I have nothing to add about the Overwatch League. I haven't played, nor have I watched (laughs) it. So, pass would be my phrase. Anyway, now to wrap up Quick Scope here, we have a little article about a PlayStation and Sony coming into the present, I suppose, and bringing remote play to iOS. And so, uh, the latest device which i don't think was marketed very much uh, because i hadn't heard about it until it was coming out uh, or until it came out rather um gives ios users the ability to uh play their games on their mobile devices tablets and mobile phones uh allows them obviously you need a play uh, psn account and uh, you can send messages, you can connect a voice chat, which uh, shout out to Nintendo, get shit together. And <laughs> unfortunately it doesn't uh, support soon. a dual shot controller just yet because I don't know why, but I'm sure they're going to figure out a software patch for that in the near future that will take care of that. And so good to see them coming into uh, or understanding the importance of cloud play and their ability to sort of do this seamlessly makes me a bit more comfortable with what PS5 might be bringing. Uh, Mm. And so it might be funny for them to downplay it and be like, oh, oh, cloud gaming, stupid, and then come out <laughs> with a cloud gaming system. <laughs> Guess what? We're doing yeah. all the fucking cloud gaming. Yeah, use. seriously. And so uh, this, I mean, this is an example of a great move. They, they came out with the Vita. They're very familiar with, you know, portable gaming. They've done it before. So this is a subject right. we're going to follow up a lot on. Um, we're going to be following PS5's launch closely because... There's a lot of questions there. And so ex- Microsoft sort of moves are soon. sort of concrete and laid out in front of everyone. Sony is a wild card. Nintendo is just obviously here or there. But anyway, anything to add on that? No, I make sense. Plus, we're going to touch on it very, very soon. All right. Email now, you sort of alluded to those moving things. this onwards to it's been a minute. Oh, this That's right. <laughs> Shout out to the Peanuts. It's a rumor mill with the return after a long time. It's a special episode. It's, it's a special mm-hmm. episode. It felt right uh, to bring this shit back. And I'm going to let Lilo take the lead. While I eat All my right, candy. Well, first rumor we got. So if you hear me chewing, I apologize because... <laughs> or if it sounds like I'm chewing, I apologize because. All right, spot terrorist over there. Yeah, you see, you see, you just call it out ahead of time. I'm just admitting it, shit, because I don't want someone to be like, "What's that <laughs> exactly. sound?" And I'll be like, That's "Shit, I'm chewing." That's Let a brother eat his Milky Way right. that he accidentally bought in peace. 
Let me just talk about the damn rumors, bro. <laughs> All right. Xbox One news coming in. There's apparently rumors coming out that Xbox is set to release a new console this April. That's right. Next fucking month. Rumors in the market. New console coming out next month. But what is this console? And is it fucking Xbox Scarlet or whatever the hell we've been calling it because it's been changing names left and right? No, apparently the rumor on the market is that it's going to be a discless version of the Xbox One S. This is probably, this probably goes hand in hand with what we heard of for the Xbox One S. Um, not the Xbox One S, the Xbox Scarlet rumors of like a pure cloud gaming machine. If this is true, Xbox One S is going to be coming out and it's going to be the precursor to this cloud pure gaming machine, I think. And I don't know. It sounds crazy. It's fucking awesome. If it happens, great. Uh, more things for people to buy from Microsoft. But at the same time, if it happens, kind of dumb if the price point is too high. I don't think it should be too high. This is all speculation. I have no idea. Solo, how do you feel about a potential new console coming out next month? Discless. If you what they told wanted me to that- do originally for a hundred bucks if they make the price point which i think it'll be like 119.99 yeah i mean so it'll be 120 bucks do you want to make bets yeah i'd be down i would get 149.99 you go 149.99 i think 149 is too much because the the actual xbox one s is is i think like 200 so why would they do that no no no, it's not 200 it's 300 the one s yeah no not the one s yeah dude let's all right see look this up where's our producer Jerk. Producers. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. That's expensive. The, the bundles are much more expensive. How than much you is it? Expected. Two twenty nine ninety nine. Wow. But that's refurbished. Um, all right. That's well, refurbished. Well, yeah, dude. They're like oh, Xbox One X or S. Sorry, two thirteen at Walmart. And that's a bundle with Minecraft. All I have to so, say is... Pretty close. I suppose you think that was terribly clever. Mm, <laughs> get word? Oh, man. What's she saying? It, 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 it cuts off halfway. Legendary. If you're it going cuts off, to, dude. No, no, we're just going to say, if you're going to aim for the king, best aim for the head. Oh. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, that quote's totally wrong. I'm just going to say, it feels like 120 is a good price point. It's going to be discless Xbox. It makes sense because it'll be Game Pass exclusive and digital games only. Yep. It would it would open up a market because it's like, look at look at the game like Mario Rabbids. I bought that game because it's for 20 bucks, right? It jumped to the top of the Nintendo eShop bestseller list because it was for $20 so it it goes to show that like a game that's slightly aged but like still has a potential that's not that old when it's reduced ends up getting major sales which is like games that come out in September like FIFA and stuff they hurt their sales because everyone just waits for Black Friday for that shit to come out anyway and so speaking of Black Friday I I, I can see that logic yeah I can see that I mean and it now, relates to consoles, but yeah. But speaking of Black Friday, which it sets up expectations and then slightly disappoints, we're going to <laughs> now move over to Sony, which teased the PS5 probably the first out of everyone in the console race for next gen. I feel like it's been a long time since we expected PS5 at the E3 or their conference. Now, sure. apparently it's getting pushed back. Uh, to 2021 uh, because potential potentially we don't know to uh, I guess incorporate cloud gaming and to figure out a way to reduce the price of consoles because I think like the the Xbox One S it's maybe a test point for the market to see like you know how much would people be willing to pay for something that is discless you know what i mean you're paying for a server primarily so if you're just buying a box interact it sort of becomes like your cable provider when you have to rent the box 
Yeah, you know I mean, you're paying for that. That's exactly what it's gonna. That's what's exactly gonna happen. I think they're gonna absorb all these cable providers, and everyone's gonna use their services through their fucking consoles. And then it's gonna be integrated into TVs because they're gonna be like, "Hey, PlayStation came out with their own TV. It's PlayStation in a right? TV." <laughs> First, are you telling me so? No, there's no way Sony's ever gonna get into the television business. That's just stupid. I'm just saying. Ah, I'm kidding. It's like they're gonna merge those two, and they're just gonna be like, "Listen." We want both of them in one now, and you can watch all of our services through this fucking thing. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's so weird. This is, uh, it's coming out of a This is a final last topic to be had. Honestly, it speculations really is. Speculations of a and pointless nature. <laughs> the speculations are interesting, but I think this is crazy if it's true because we know that, well, we speculate that Xbox Scarlet is coming out next year. They have a whole year to the market themselves. Like, that's insane. But I also think like it could be the worst thing in the world for them too because the new guy always takes the cake and PlayStation could come in and crush them. The so. question is whether Weird. they make Halo Infinite a launch title, which I think they're sort of gearing up for. I do think so. I do think but so. We're going we're gonna to speculate on that probably when Microsoft has their GDC unveiling and probably more so at E3 in June. But anyway, now wrap it up for us. Lilo. What else we got here? Last rumor uh, comes to us from some data found by data miners, as Solo loves so much. And this is these two new modes that are fan favorites. According to just this story found on Gaming Bolt, data miners have uncovered home run contest mode and a stage builder mode. And this is obviously just rumors because Nintendo will neither confirm nor deny what's happening. But... Hey, these are staples of these motherfucking games. Super Smash in general, Smash in general, has always had a home run mode. I, honestly, it's one of the first things I look for. When I went to the fucking, uh, what is it, the, the games section, I guess you'd say, the mini game section, they didn't find any home runs, and I was pissed off. They added this whole, I don't even know, they added that whole storyline mode, and it just didn't make sense to me. I wanted home runs, but it could be coming in the future, and you should be on the motherfucking lookout. Yeah. I do think that uh, this is exactly what people are wanting, and it's it'll sort of give Smash a second life, if that makes sense. Just like Solo was saying, you reduce the price, you make it relevant again. Adding new modes, making people create their own levels, you could have so many fun things happen. Honestly, oh, the stage the, is the biggest thing. The, the impact of Smash would be tenfold if Nintendo was able to fix the online service because... It's just so inconvenient. If we could party up beforehand, it's just altogether so inconvenient and discourages the ability Mm -hmm. to smoothly play in large groups and whatever the case is. And so it's like Mm -hmm. you have to, you Mm -hmm. have to, you have to basically keep so many pieces moving. Like, oh, you have to talk on Discord and then play and then go into the the arena, but then give the code. And then if you're playing with more than four people, this and it's like there was a lot simpler ways, a lot more simple ways of going about this but totally agree Nintendo partner with us we'll show you we'll show you the way and this is a great idea and a great step if that's the case but show you the way know the way lead the way baby let's do it and now that's all we have for rumor mill it is time for those are some pretty good rumors a little something or another oh yeah point never mind never mind hey. i forgot i forgot go ahead go ahead and this is actually going to be a relatively quick one i don't really have too much to add the only thing i have to say before reading the story or or explain to you what the story is is this is what you call hedging epic has unveiled plans to update Fortnite's in-game store with an undo button that would let players refund purchases on in-game purchases uh, within five minutes of the of the purchase uh, because the company doesn't want to benefit from accidental or regrettable purchases. So now after billions and billions of dollars, uh, they're adding the undo button. It's no, it's no mistake that with the threat of regulation increasing and facing lawsuits from a bunch of people for stealing their dances and generally losing the argument that they're in-game, you know, purchasing and targeting of children's not is a little bit exploitative. 
this is just called trying to like flip the PR. So it's like, yeah, I'm sure this is cool and I'm sure it's useful, but this should have been done a long time ago. So they're just hedging sure. uh, in case a court ruling occurs. So then they can be like, hey, look, look, look at what we've done since then to show you that we're, we're working in good faith, <laughs> which is a bad faith move to show good faith, which shout out to corporations. But anyway, we're, we're not going to be seeing an Epic Games sponsorship anytime soon. So, yeah. <laughs> which uh, doesn't matter you because, not know because that's right. That's who we is. Pew, pew. Anyway, Big now, you, that's all I really have to add. We're going to keep following up to see where Epic Games ends up going in his lawsuits and whether this is ever mentioned in a lawsuit. I probably never follow that up. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> but I want Just to. Just you should know. I will plan to, Just and I will try to. But you know, I follow Epic Games and their lawsuits. Like, it's something I enjoy reading. But he's gonna try just as hard to get a Twitter too. Same. So you know. You damn right. And eventually, I'm gonna make it happen. And now, on to a little bit of the finale and first it's the PLG game spotlight that's right and a little bit of the final lap Lilo lead us us to the promised land what are we talking about tonight this morning whenever you're listening would be the real best way to put it get you in the feel in case you want to know what we're talking about that's right that's right ugh you hear this? If you don't know what this is, go read a fucking book, because that makes sense. You're listening to something, go read a book, but whatever. Um, you should read a book. We're talking about the new game coming out by Niantic. So let's touch on in the beginning. Niantic's making moves. Harry Potter, baby, coming to the VR world. The AR world, really. AR, augmented reality. Harry Potter Wizards Unite, coming out 2019. What do we know? Well... Let me tell you, it's obviously going to be a game in the same vein as Pokemon Go because it is Niantic who's making it, and it's set in present day. There's a crisis threatening the magical community. What is this crisis? Well, uh, apparently muggles are discovering the wizarding world, and you need to help put that back into, uh, put them back in their place. Put muggles back in their place to make sure that they don't know the wizarding world exists, essentially. The Ministry of Magic is calling for wizards, aka OS players, to join a task force to locate magical items, dispel confounding magic, and surround and return muggles before they recognize the magical realm. While there's not a real story that no, like anyone knows about right now, but Dante has said that as you play the story and as you play different events, you unlock p- bits and pieces of the story. And they're planning on this being your forever Harry Potter game. What the fuck does that mean? It means they're planning on content for a very, very fucking long time. And I mean very long time, like 10 years long time. You're going to be playing this game with your kids when you have kids, if you haven't had any yet in the future, which is kind of crazy. Um, what if can you do in this game that we know so far? Well, what's interesting is that you're first going to start by creating your Ministry of Magic ID. You're going to take a selfie, and you can customize that selfie via AR. You know how you do that on Snapchat, make your faces change and shit like that? Guess what? Niantic did that shit too. So you can add hats, you can add wigs, put glasses on your face, choose your Hogwarts house and a wand. You get everything personalized so you're ready to attack the world. You're gonna adventure around the world the same way you do in Pokemon Go. You come across beasties and wizards. You're trying to protect muggles from the foundable items. That's what Niantic is trying to call them. And you're trying to track those foundable items. You're going to prevent the confounding magic from working or you know, do something to the confounding magic around the foundable items, making them invisible to muggles and that's sort of the premise of the game you're dispelling this magic and returning the witch which, turning the items to the witch or wizard from which they came um part of the gameplay involves you know visiting or re- rather revisiting special places found in the books as well as finding special characters from the books in the real world and helping them. So in one instance, it's like Harry's confronted with a Dementor. You have to help Harry defeat the Dementor. That's fucking cool. I get that. That's crazy. So what happens when you start a battle? Well, 
when you start a battle, you get to determine whether or not you want to fight somebody because just like in Pokemon Go, there's really hard Pokemon to catch and really easy Pokemon to catch. So you trace a spell on your fucking screen and then you get to defend yourself if you want to. Your success in this process is based on how accurate and how speedily you trace the spell direction on your phone. There's gonna be inns in the game. Inns are where you get food and energy per se to continue performing events. This is similar to Pokemon Go where you have to wait you know, for a period of time before you can proceed and do something else. There's gonna be landmark events which feed into the main story. It means you revisit classical stuff from Harry Potter lore, you get XP, you get money, you level up, great. There's going to be microtransactions, yes. Microtransactions give you energy, they give you special cosmetics. Same thing as Pokemon Go, nothing new. That makes sense here. But the biggest thing that I like is there's gonna be fortresses. So I haven't played Pokemon Go in a while, Solo has. There's raiding in Pokemon Go, which I understand. Fortresses are the same thing as raiding, and that's what they're calling it in Harry Potter Wizards Unite. And you can play with up to five people in a party, and there's gonna be 10 levels to each raid. So you're gonna group up with people, go, battle, take turn-based battles, in this fortress and then once you defeat a level go to the next 10 levels there's so much content that i'm just talking about and that's not even getting into the nitty-gritty where it's like an rpg it, it can turn into an rpg like they're throwing you in off the bat you get to pick a profession your profession gives you special skills each skill and stuff has its own strength and weakness you get to determine what you want to do it's just like there's there's an insane amount of content coming out it's almost a little too convoluted to follow but I know for a fact I will be a day one downloader and I am absolutely 150% ready to go. That is the rundown of the game, but realistically this goes into our final app because speculation, like Solo, you being the one who's played Pokemon Go so recently, how would you feel transitioning from Pokemon Go to the Wizarding World and what are you looking forward to? What features do you like in Pokemon Go? Really, we're both huge Harry Potter fucking fans. Like, well, what are you looking forward to? I guess there's a there's a multitude of things to jump into. Okay. But let's see if I can organize my thoughts in a cohesive manner, which is probably not going to be the case. So give me a second. That'd be a first. Exactly. So I'm well aware. So we're, we're, we're going to take a pause. And then... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to pause because the last thing I need to do is think about what I'm going to say. Uh, first, Pokemon Go is sort of or Pokemon in particular, is perfectly situated to AR. Like, the way the game's set up, they do nothing but employ the, the basic strategy or, or the basic premise of Pokemon and how you can catch it. From where it began, it took like two, three years for them to evolve it to where it is now, which is now with the just the introduction of the battling mode, and there's still ways to go, but it's an enjoyable game. I still play it because at no point do I feel like it's exploitative to the point that I have to spend money to be able to be competitive in any manner, right, to be able right, to enjoy right, the game to any degree. Great is probably a nostalgic factor, and if you're just walking around and why wouldn't you just, just keep throwing Pokeballs around? I'm like, eh, why not? Fuck it. I'm just walking around. I might as well just <laughs> do something with my phone. Do. I'm not going to sit around, go on Instagram, go on Twitter, but like, shit. I walk into a pole trying to get your Machap here and there. Shit happens. <laughs> and so, you know, with that, but see, but the way that the, the phone works, the way that the, you know, it's set up in your hand, the way Pokemon is. The AR works. It fits. Yeah, I got you. you know what I mean? The same way I think that uh, VR would be, or, or even, um, or I guess VR would be the perfect place for uh, Yu-Gi-Oh games to occur, which I don't know why they don't try to institute stuff like that. But for the realm of, of, of Harry Potter, I love Harry Potter death. So far, the best version of Harry Potter games have been the Lego games. And the that's games because, awesome. you know, when, when they announced it, I was excited. The mobile games for Harry Potter so far have sucked and have been ex a little bit exploitative, which speaking of, it's still fuck Jam City. And this game, <laughs> yeah, I was like, how is it going to work? Like, I know they keep mentioning 10 years of content, but like, it doesn't, it feels like it's going, to, I'm curious to just see how it works. So I'm going to be just moving my phone in different directions to run spells and be able to discover stuff randomly. Or am I going to be like, I know they're doing the team up to attack fortresses to do magic. Like, yeah, yeah. Same that's a lot different than 
you can definitely duel too, gym. like battles. Well, duel, you know what I mean? But that's a lot different than going to a gym with a powerful Pokemon where you're fighting with five other people because it's that strong a Pokemon. You see what I'm saying? In terms of the context of what you'll end up using it as. So you're like, okay, on the day-to-day basis, what are, what is the point of the game? So what are you going to be able to do? You know, yes, you can go battle wizards on this fortress. Okay, so what can I do as I'm walking? What can I do... Right, right. In, the in this but case, just, it's, just... it's finding items. It's finding hey. items and leveling up. That's that's it, per se, at least from what so we're hearing just, now. Yeah, but I mean, that's the same thing but, as but what no, can no, you do with Pokemon you see, Go. You see what I mean by, like, I'm curious yeah, to do, see how What's that the po- is... Pokemon is based around that. Exactly. Harry Potter is not. Exactly. So... The premise it, is not to catch Pokemon. The premise is whatever. You know. if it They're was, trying to give you a premise, and that's what it is. If it was like, a, if it's going to be like a profile game, and like you're, you know, you're going to make your character, and you're going through the school and the years, and you know, it would make more sense if they included it, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them somewhere in this. You know what I mean? Where you're trying to find these beasts, but it would fall under the same purview of Pokemon trying to catch Pokemon. Dude, I have, I think that's part of the content that's coming out. I'm not even kidding. They got a JK Rowling's approval to fit this within Fantastical Beast storyline. Like in America, the whole idea was that this could be an epidemic where the magic magical world is essentially getting, oh, Lord, you know, do I have to hear non madge I'm just exactly Jesus. you're no match. It's a no match. No match, non match. <laughs> Same shit, but I think, I think that's bad, exactly right? it. They're trying to make the story be cohesive. It's supposed to be canon. Or rather, it is not canon because she did not write it, but it is supposed to flow in the same vein. Like this these events could happen, meaning the wizarding world could have a conundrum on their hands by trying to uh prevent muggles from seeing all of excuse me, these magical objects around the world and i just think that's that's kind of cool i mean if, i think that's honestly sort of, that's, the, that's sort of the storyline of what of uh fantastic beast one which is like the animals escape and the point is to try to hide them before people realize that yeah that, exactly yeah and, and, and and I so mean, I, same I'm, I'm excited for it to that degree where i'm like it's gonna be awesome because it's harry potter and anything harry potter theme i'm excited about niantic gets the benefit of the doubt because they've executed pokemon really well and where i thought most companies <clears throat> Like in the, after the initial success and the massive success that it initially had would end up sort of dying off because they didn't try to innovate anything. The company went in and kept improving and refining the game and they've done right. a good job of it. And so who's to say they haven't taken those lessons and are going to do Harry Potter in a very interesting way? Uh, because I went to you know Harry Potter World and we went to Harry Potter World and it's pretty awesome to have the wand and run around and have it interact Dude, doing stuff but, that was fucking sweet you know it was a lot different when you're sort of surrounded by the I guess meeting other people in the HP world and the community is going to be sort of the driving force in me wanting to play that game that's that literally the next point I was gonna remark on is just this when the game releases i have no doubt that you're gonna walk outside and like i don't see pokemon go players right now actively i see people looking at their phones i don't think they're playing pokemon go when it first came out you knew everyone who's walking around staring at the phones in groups was playing pokemon go harry potter like you're gonna see who the harry potter fans are and i'm looking forward to that so much out in the world just like doing stupid stuff with their phone it's fun and it's a community-based event out it's mobbing sort of, it with my together. potter heads bro Dude, it's gonna be so fucking sweet. And then you, this song is literally gonna be playing everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. You're gonna see people We're dressed up gang. as wizards. Like, literally, you're gonna have fucking scarves and hats and people with wands in their hands while playing with their cell phone in their other hand. I have no doubt that's gonna happen. It's gonna be dope. Probably those are the diehard fans, to be honest. But, like, Whatever. it's not like you see everyone wearing an Ash Ketchum hat. When does it come out and, again? Like, Pokeball. It's late 2019. We don't know. There's no specific date, but they did drop the details. Whatever. In and the you meanwhile, you can follow their progress. Actually, you can follow their progress by going to wizardsunite.com and registering because that's how you're supposed to get access to the game. I think I don't know how it's going to work. I think they're going to go around the iOS store because it seems like you need to register firsthand, or at least they want you to register. So maybe they can get a good count of people who want to play. But yes, yeah, it's definitely for server purposes to see what they should scale to off the bat. Granted, they already got the server infrastructure in place from Pokemon Go, so they should know. Have uh, a, a guaranteed number, or at, at least true. a speculative number. 
I was going to say no guarantees in this business, but I would say definitely speculation. People who are signing up are probably going to fucking download the app. That's for sure. Enlist now. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. What's my date of birth? 69. (laughs) 1969. It is nice. Anyway. (laughs) I like it. I guess that's about all I have to add for. That's, uh, That's a great way to end it, honestly. Like, we're excited. I think we're both excited. I think there's a whole bunch of features in it. They learn from their mistakes from Pokemon Go is really the biggest thing that I think is going to be a big factor. And then they got the Harry Potter lore to play with. There's so many different things you can do in a magical world. Like Pokemon, it came out 20 years ago, and it hasn't changed, right? It hasn't changed. Technically, Harry Potter came out like 20 years ago because the first book came out in 97. Oh, dude, that's a good point. Now that I think about it. But Harry Potter, get they've added the lore. And on that note, She's still writing. on that note, hey, we're I'm going saying, to end it. Wow, no, that dude, was beautiful. 20 years ago, Harry Potter, I can't even that's hear crazy. him over me talking about how right I am. I hate you so much right now. I hate you so much. You get nothing. Ooh, get short. Get short. <laughs> Pokemon came over like 30 years ago then. Let's let's re, revamp and revisit that topic. But yeah, totally agree. Um, yeah, I got nothing else. You got nothing else? I don't. I don't have anything that except for Microsoft, people like game Sunday, March 17th, 2 p.m. Walt Whitman Shops, Huntington. Tickets on Eventbrite. Subscribe to the show. Follow us on Twitter and all this other nonsense. <laughs> You know the deal. And I beat Kingdom Hearts, so I am going to be buying One Piece World Seeker and Sirico Shadow Die twice in the coming week. And Levo will be buying nothing because he hasn't beaten the game. Ah, get burned! And now we out! Levo, wrap it up for us as usual. Uh, This mofo is going to play Sirico Shadow Die twice. And he's not going to realize that it's Dark Souls. And he's going to get so frustrated because he's terrible at it. And I can't wait. But really, 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 thank you for uh, listening to us again. You obviously know where to find us. You know where to listen to the show. And be sure to sign up on Eventbrite for the tournament this fucking weekend. If you haven't brushed up on your skills, well, Rocket League is only 20 bucks. Pick your console of choice or you're really you're just... You're, any, I guess, any place, really, you can play it anywhere. You can play it on PC, you can play it on your freaking phone. No, you actually can't do that yet, but still. Be on the lookout. We have many more things coming up. Oh, shit. We actually totally forgot to plug this. Next week, I will be doing a Lilo's Laboratory. I'm going to give you the rundown on input lag. And then, following that, uh, the week of the 27th, I believe, Solo and I will be doing our book review. And we'll be doing Significant Zero, a book review of Significant Zero, which is a nice insight into the gaming world and development world. Um, Can't believe we forgot to plug that earlier, but now you know. With that, see you next week. Adios.